0: We began this morning with a little nod to Paul, Romans chapter twelve. Brother Kenny said, "I want to read a passage from the twelve of Romans." What? And it was 9 to 21, was it? And you know, those are good scriptures. <coughs> but I'm kind of glad he didn't because all week, the Lord, after I thought about what I'd be speaking on this evening, I thought there's a New Testament passage that goes along pretty well with our psalm. <coughs> By the way, which song would that be? Thirty nine. Thirty-nine, that's right. Check Benny's age. So you said it a lot of times. And I hope you read. How, how many read ahead? Okay. In the New Testament, Romans twelve three. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Some people are drunk on their own reputation. They are everything in a bag of chips. Just ask them. They'll tell you how wonderful they are. A wise man said long ago, and I've been thankful to heaven to say it, never trust the man who's the hero of all of his stories. But there are some people, they can do no wrong. They've got it together. They just don't mess up. And if there's anybody alive to say differently, they will... Wish they'd be quieter. Maybe pay them to hush up or something else. But there's something in this psalm that runs right along the lines of what we've been reading in Romans 12.3. Now, I'm not going to ask these two folks down here because I think they know. But... Is there anything in this psalm that would speak to the idea of our needing to practice humility? Realize that we're not all we might be cracked up to be in our own mind. Well, what have we here? Man in a can. Can you read that? Can you see that? Now this is not original with me. I had a pastor who pulled this one time. He said, in this can Is every man. That got my attention. Does it have your curiosity? Any idea what might be in this king? You'll know when we read this song. I said I will take heed to my ways, that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. I was done with silence. I had my peace, even from good. And my sorrow was stirred. My heart was hot within me while I was musing. didn't say amusing. When you're musing, you're thinking. You go to an amusement park, you're not supposed to think. You go to a museum, you're thinking about what you're looking. My heart was hot within me while I was musing the fire burned. Then spake I with my tongue, Lord, make me to know mine end, and the measure of my days, what it is, that I may know how frail I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as an handbreadth, and my age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man in his best state is altogether vanity. Surely every man walketh in a vain show, surely they are disquieted in vain. He heapeth up riches, and knoweth not who shall gather them. And now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in thee. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Make me not the reproach of the foolish. I was dumb. I opened not my mouth, because thou didst it. Remove thy stroke away from me. I am consumed by the blow of thine hand. When thou with rebukes dost correct man for iniquity, thou makest his beauty to consume away like a moth. Surely every man is vanity. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear unto my cry. Hold not thy peace at my tears, for I am a stranger with thee and a sojourner as all my fathers were. O spare me that I may recover strength before I go hence. Be no more. <gasps> What's in the can? Man, did you say nothing? Empty. You. You're exactly right. Well, I won't take the tape off, but it's an empty can. Man, at his best state, is altogether vain puffed up maybe with pride all these dreams, all these things but yet vanity means it's empty, it's worthless, it's without lasting value like the man said ain't nothing to it and so that stuck with me a few years I'd rather not say how many how old did we say Julie was? It was, it was uh it's been more than 20 years. So, yes, we saw that in verse 5, didn't we? Barely every man in his best state is altogether vanity. Men like to have their names cited. In Jesus' day there were Pharisees who put on a good show. Every once in a while, a Jewish mama would point their son, son, I hope you grow up to be just like that man. I think the Pharisee walked a little bit slower. We like the adulation. We love people to talk about us. He used to listen to a woman act. I hadn't really figured out where Lum and Abner was from till I moved to Arkansas and they said, Well this is the home of Lum and Abner. Really? They're real people. Well kind of saw it. And in the Lum and Abner routine they had this fellow who took himself pretty seriously. And he had a little guy there and when he wanted to butter the kid up to get him he said, oh I just love this it headed tot." Does that ring a bell with anybody, or I'm holding everybody here? I guess okay. Anyway, he talked about the toss, and you love to have somebody talking about you. Now, I haven't experienced what I'm about to tell you in this church. And that's not a bad thing. But I have been in places, whoever the speaker is, if they happen to mention Joe Blow from Idaho over here. Joe Blow comes up later. Really appreciate that message. Right There's a part of us, it's called the flesh, and we love to have it stroked. We love to be at the forefront. We love to be on display. Well, That's something that comes out in this song, But I wanna give you really three thoughts because this psalm talks about this world of uncertainty. What was it, three o'clock, our phones went beepity, beepity, beep. Y'all had it over in Oklahoma too, didn't you? Beepity, beepity, beep, like look out might have a tornado. Some people, they just don't know. You know what? There's some things I don't know. And sometimes it bothers us to realize there's some some things that we don't know, but the fact that there are some things we don't know. And there are some things we may come to know but there are some things we ought to know now and i'll just kind of briefly touch on each of those this evening but before we do while man doesn't know much there are some things that are absolutely for sure paul in his writing speaks of four Faithful sayings. This is a faithful saying. Four times he uses that. And when God says a thing, it is sure. It is steadfast. It is certain. No doubt about it. Amen. Did uh, F.P. Wolf ever come preach here? Huh? F.P. Wolf. Does that name ring a bell? He was from Mississippi. I don't think so. I don't remember. He preached a message several years ago on sure things. And he said, I'm not going to talk about the maybes, the possibilities. I want to preach on the sure things. And so, he would emphasize, we know that God is the source of life. We know that we will stand in judgment before him. We know that Jesus Christ is the only hope that we have. And preach the sure things. He said, I go to a funeral and some Where do you suppose he is? I have no idea. It's not up to me. But I can tell you some sure things. God sent his son in the world. And those who trust in him will never have reason to regret that. Preach the sure things. There's no maybes about it. In verse 6, Surely every man walketh in a vain show. Look at me. I'm somebody Surely they are disquieted in vain. Hmm. Then drop down to verse 11 and close it with Surely every man is vanity. Now, I know some people say that women spend an awful lot of time in front of the mirror, Mm -hmm. but I've watched an awful lot of fellows, not just Junior high and high school fellows who, uh, whoa you dog! You look so good. We had a we had a young preacher at the college who heard several of us who were married say, you know, honestly, I I married up. And another one said that. And another one said that. And they looked at me. Oh, I definitely married up. And this guy had been real quite Not me when I get married, it'll be her marrying up. You don't say. He got married, but he never brought his wife around. I wonder why. Sometimes the things you say come back to haunt you. Amen. No. <laughs> A man who's lived 39 years? All right. Okay. Okay. I'd like Like I've said many a time, we heard this fellow that says, my dear wife and I, we have never once discussed divorce. Murder many times, but never divorce. But man's vanity, like we saw. Man in a can, at his best state, he's altogether vanity. That's what it boils down to time and time again. In the Gospel of Luke, he opens by saying, I'm going to write those things most assuredly believed among us. I was listening to a broadcast not long ago and a guy said, you know, we talk a lot about the wise men who came from the East. We don't exactly where they left from. We don't know for sure they rode on camels. We don't know that there were three of them. But tradition has a way of coloring and filling in the details and sometimes the things they tell us just aren't true. I told you about a preacher we knew in North Carolina named Irvin Wallace. And he pastored in a little, little itty-bitty town. It would, it would make me look big. And a lady came down from Richmond, the capital. Or was it Raleigh? Raleigh, that's right. Raleigh's the capital. And uh, she came down from Raleigh, and she saw the preacher, and she listened to some of the locals, and she said, Brother well, Wallace, some of these people, they don't know very much, do they? And they said, oh, man, it may be so, they don't know much, but what they know is so. And sometimes we know things that's not so. <clears throat> so let's think about this. There are some things we don't know now, we saw in verse 4 that we're puzzled. We think about life. What is its purpose? What is its length? How fragile is it? You can be talking to somebody and they're gone. I was still in my office, at Conway, a couple of years ago, and Mary, who's in Virginia, called me. And she says, Dad, brother so-and-so had a heart attack. Really? Yeah. And he's right there in Conway. Well, uh, do you know what room? And so I found out. And I went by to go see the guy. And he's a, a real athletic kind of guy. In fact, he'd been to the doctor that morning and had a checkup. Everything was hunky-dory. I mean, the guy didn't have a weight problem or diabetes or blood pressure or anything dogging him. And he went on a hike you know, one of these Arkansas mountains. And thankfully he had a couple of buddies with him. They got about halfway out and, it, and he dropped. And they rushed him in and the dog said, You you have a heart attack. If you'd been alone, the bugs would eat you now and uh, he came through and he said he said brother I went to the doctor this morning he gave you a clean bill of health it can happen you know you gotta stop breathing sometime life is fragile somebody had a bumper sticker life is fragile handle a prayer that's why the psalmist says And in this case, the psalmist is Moses, probably the oldest psalm, psalm number 90. He says, so teach us to number our days that we may apply it to wisdom. Too late, we get too little smart, the Yiddish proverb says. We don't know how long we're going to live. That's indicated more than once in scripture. And even if we didn't have scripture, none of us know. <coughs> none of us know. James 4 says, go to the, the, the one who says today, tomorrow, we're going to go on a second set such a place, we're going to buy and so get cake, and, and we're buy, a year from now we're going to be rich. But you don't know what's going to be on the morrow. None of us does. If you make a prediction, be surprised. Uh, don't be surprised if it doesn't work out quite the way you think it's going to be. That's why, James says this, you ought to say, oh Lord willing, we will do this or that. Sometimes you say, Lord willing, Lord willing? Yeah, that's what my intention is, but I don't know what's going to happen. Well, I don't say Lord willing, you should. The Bible says to say Lord willing. sometimes people make fun of you when you do what the Bible tells you to do that's their problem we we, we taught in a Christian school where somebody said something I said amen the kid turned around one of my 7th graders and he said why do you say amen because the Bible says to say amen we don't say amen in our church what do you say we say yes sir well, that's interesting, but I don't have any scripture that says, say yes, sir, to the Lord. I'd say amen. I don't know if he changed his tune or not, but I'm going to stick with what it says in the word. A lot of questions go unanswered. Things which rarely, if ever, get asked. You read the book of Job, and most of the book of Job, you've got, Job has an experience, you have a dialogue between the devil and the devil and the Lord, and then you have Job and his wife, and then his three not-so-good buddies show up. And they put their heads together. They added two plus two and came up with 17 and three quarters. They said, all this bad stuff happening to you to Job, you must have really messed up. Now, let's just try to psych you out and figure out what it is you did. Why would God clobber you like this? That's just it. I don't know anything that I've done wrong. He stood in his integrity. He hated evil. He strove to do the right thing. A good example. He wasn't perfect, because none of us are perfect. But he's pretty close to it. Most of the book of Job is so-and-so steps up, and they say this. Sometimes Job will answer. And another will get up and say something. And another will get up and say something. And Job would respond. And there's even a young man like him. He wasn't like those three wise guys. He says, I'm not with them, but Job, it is possible that you have messed up. So one thing we know, God always does the right thing, the right way, the right time for the right reason. And then God speaks, out of the whirlwind. And he says, where were you, Job, when I hung the stars? Where were you when I designed this entire universe? I really didn't have to consult with you, Mr. Job. And even Job had to come down a few notches. And even we need to come down a few notches, maybe more than a few. And then you get down to the last chapter. God spoke to those three rascals and he said there needs to be prayer but I won't hear your prayer you you, you go to Job I'll listen to Job's prayer if Job will pray for you so Job was exonerated and he does repent of dust and ashes we don't hear too much about that sort of thing these days. We want to think, hey, I'm I'm pretty good, pretty good fellow. No, no, we're not. Several of the prophets, too, speak to the fact that a lot of questions go unanswered. If you come to me and say, i got a Bible question as well, I'll do my best to try to give you an answer, if I can. But if you ask me something's over my head, and there's a lot of stuff over my head, I can't wing it knows what I'm thinking of we do a preacher in another state in another century he always do the answer and if it wasn't the real answer he'd make up something and try to stare you down like are you calling me a liar why I've been preaching the bible these so many years and I've studied this and I have these degrees and they can and sometimes are wrong anyway so it's best If you ask me a question, I'm not going to fishtail, I'm not going to try to play games, but I'll tell you, if I don't have a clue, I might say, well, I have read that so-and-so, it has been reported that, I don't know for sure, but from my study, it looks like maybe this is a way to understand this, but I don't have the last word. Neither does John Gill, neither does Charles Spurgeon, neither does A.W. Pink neither does anybody else including you or me we don't so there's some things that we don't know now Paul says in 1st Corinthians 13 now we see through a glass darkly what's the best thing about a mirror how well it can reflect an image but when a mirror gets old the silver gets messed up you get blotches. It's almost something you just want to throw it out, give it away, whatever. We look now into Scripture, and we look at our lives, and many times there we have more questions than answers. But then we shall know even as we are known. We talked earlier today about heaven. Won't many bills to pay in heaven? Won't be any shots to you. You won't have to go to the dentist in heaven. You won't have to go to the eye doctor in heaven. Won't be any wheelchairs in heaven. Won't be any hearing aids in heaven. Won't be any nursing homes in heaven. Won't go to any funerals in heaven. You realize that? All tears taken away. We sing a song Heaven Must Be a Wonderful Place. Like another song I think we sang today, the half is not being told. We we can only imagine just how wonderful. And so suffice it to say we only know in part. But there are some things that we may come to know. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, please. Now, if you dig in this Bible, you might be amazed at the things that are in it. But don't settle for what you used to know and say, I got all figured out. I know a preacher who, if you told him about a book or a sermon, or a study, or some other thing. He said, oh, you know, I studied that out. As if he had the final word. So he got to the point where he, he didn't read it to anybody. He I don't think he even had devotions from the word, because after all, he'd read through the Bible more than once. First Corinthians eight two goes along with that one in Romans 12 verse 3 if any man think that he knoweth anything you know why he knoweth not yet as he ought to know I had a friend in junior high Rick Tingstrom and uh, I was on a roll answering questions in class and he would said hey Randy, what and he asked me a question I don't I don't know you don't know and he asked me something else you don't know you don't know But we need a Rick Dinkstrom in our life to let us know. Don't get the big head and think, I got it all figured out. You don't. And I don't. And we're not going in this world. Now I could be wrong, but it seems to me the Lord's going to be teaching (laughs) us throughout eternity. I don't know we're going to show up and bingo, we just know it all. I think we're going to be taught. I think we're going to be praising God. I think we're going to be sitting at the feet of the Lord. I might get stoned for saying this, but I don't know we're going to go, deer hunting. Mm-hmm. Got real quiet all of a sudden. Won't be any fishing. Won't be any ball playing. If any man think that he knoweth anything. Well, I know that. Not like you need to. Not like you ought to. Why do you say that? Because it says in the rest of the verse, he knoweth not yet as he ought to know. Marcia and I have been married quite a few years. And she knows me a lot better than when we married. And I know her quite a bit better than I knew her when we married. But she doesn't know me as well. The Lord should give us 10, 15, 20 more years. I think she'll know me even better. I think I'll know her. That much better. But we are still in a process of learning. That's right. Not too long ago. Was it a graduation? And I think it was high school graduate. Guys said, "Ah, I'll never have to read another book the rest of my life. And you were educated? Well, I got I got through the through the hoops, you know. Checked off the boxes. I won't have to use my brain anymore. Well, that's something to think about. But God has a way of revealing things in real time because they unfold. Young couple get married, and oh, we're in love, and hey, love's a wonderful thing. It's great when it's young people, and in my experience, it gets greater Sweeter as the years go by. But that's part of the Lord's plan. Go to Mark chapter 4, please. How do plants operate? Marsha's excited about the daffodils and the other flowers. You drive around. Oh, these flowers are those. Are, and I know what the daffodils are. And she knows all these other names of flowers and this sort of thing. She, she's looking at this stuff going on.
1: But it doesn't
0: happen overnight. There's a logical progression that takes place in flowers and in folks. Look what it says in verse 28. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. First the blade. The first little shoot comes up. Then the ear. After that the full corn in the ear. I think I told this when I was a little kid. Dad gave me some sunflowers that hadn't been cooked. And he says, you know, if you plant those in the backyard, they'll grow. Ooh, that's neat. So I went in the backyard, got a little trowel, dug a little hole, put sunflower in and put some dirt on top. Come on, come on. Ten minutes passed. I was fitting to be tired. Damn, that there's something wrong with those seeds. It takes more than ten minutes. So what up the next day? Still nothing. I think it was the second, third day. I was so frustrated. I got my trowel and I dug the thing up. Did you it out? Know, what's wrong with this thing? Like I could tell by shaking it or whatever. Dance, if you don't leave it in the ground, it's not going to grow. Give it time. Give it time. But we don't want that. We want instant. They used to have 7 minute oats and then 3 minute oats and then 1 minute oats and now you stick it in the microwave and you push the button, come on like it's going to heat up any faster if you egg it on so to speak no it doesn't work that way but we forget that very easily don't we? in Isaiah 28 twice it says when the Word is laid down, line upon line. Precept upon precept. You go to somebody who is a new Christian and you start to talk to them about spiritual things. They might choke on some of those more advanced things, but keep on. Learn what you can and appreciate that. That's why They told me in preacher school, when you're speaking, have something for everybody's level. You know, the preacher that preaches only to the seminarian, the average person doesn't get much of anything out of it. On the other hand, if I were talking to you like you were four-year-olds, it probably bore most of you One guy said, the secret of education is keep the cookies on the bottom shelf. Well, you want to make sure that somebody gets something out of it if they have any spiritual discernment whatsoever. But uh, strive to lift up others. Strive to show I I love the Psalms. There are 65 other books in the Bible. And I made it my project to to go through and try to summarize one psalm one Sunday. But I guarantee you, if the Lord gives us life and breath and all of that until we finish all 150 of the psalms, don't any of us dare, well, I guess I know everything about the psalms. No, we have scratched the surface. We really have. Some of these psalms, I-, I could make a series out of And some have made more than that. One man did a four-volume set on the 119th Psalm. Woo! That's a lot of words, isn't it? But you see, that's how it works. Hebrews 1, it says, In past times, God used all kinds of ways through the prophets to get on his word it's not business as usual now though. It says in verse 2, he has in these last days spoken of us by his son. Why didn't Jesus come in the days of Noah? Why didn't he come in the days of Moses? Why didn't he come in the days of David or Isaiah or even Malachi? Galatians 4 says, in the fullness of God sent his son things had been said things had been done and the whole drama of redemption up to that point when Christ came I think that's one reason why it says in Luke 16, 16 the law and the prophets were until John now the kingdom of God is preached and all men press into it. They weren't ready for that then. They saw the truth in types and shadows, intimations and illustrations. Their faith... Another thing I learned from my first pastor. Somebody said, how is it that people in the Old Testament were saved and now we have people in the New Testament saved? And he says, here's the cross. People in the Old Testament given faith of God, and they saw what was going to happen. People in our time look back as God gives faith at what God is. see the focus is Christ. Yeah. That's where our calendars are BC and AD because that is the greatest event in all of human history. We talk sometimes so quickly about that, but that's God became flesh and dwelt among us, taught perfect lessons, worked perfect miracles, died as a perfect substitutionary savior, a sacrifice. But it's the same God. It's always by grace whether it's Old Testament, New Testament. Well, how are people going to saved during the tribulation? Well, it, even when I was a dispensationalist, I did say, well, I guess maybe they'll have to go back to be saved by keeping the law. Nobody was ever saved by keeping the law. The law could not. The law did not. The law never would save anyone. The law, Paul says, was our schoolmaster to drive us to Christ. The focus is Christ. Some saw him coming. Some now, we see him as one who came. But it's Christ, it's not the church. Not anything we think, feel, say, or do. Job says in the 13th, make me to know my transgression and my sins. David at the end of the 139th psalm says search me O God and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's a good prayer. And yes, it's, it's a good scripture. They're all good. But the purpose for all of this is to remind us that we have a high calling. A calling that doesn't come to everybody. We need to be walking worthy of that calling Paul tells the Colossians in the first chapter verse 10 that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing I've heard it said many times somebody will say is that good enough and they'll say good enough for government work well I don't know about that but is it good enough for the Lord does it pass muster with the Lord is it satisfactory with Him our goal is that we might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. Hey, there's some works again, isn't it? If you read this Bible, yes, Christ did the great work of salvation, but there's a work for us to do, and God ordained that. Some people want to talk about what God ordained before the foundation of the world. Well, that includes the fact that we were ordained to walk in the works. That part doesn't get mentioned much by some, but we should make sure we do. And increasing in the knowledge of God. We have a great God. There's some things we don't know now. There's some things we may come to know. And there's some things that we ought to know. It's really a shame when you meet people who've been Christians 20, 30, 40 years. A man sent me uh, one of those Beep beep beeps on the phone. Texas. Was it? Text Well, it, he was doing yeah. something. Oh. It, was, it, was a, it was a photo thing or what anyway. He, he was talking and he got up in church. The guy's 60 years old. And he got up with a microphone. And he says, I am now going to recite the names of the books of the New Testament. He went all the way from Matthew to Revelation. Oh, 27! and they gave him a standing ovation he's been a Christian 40 years and he's just now getting around to being able to get the books of the New Testament in order wow some people don't learn maybe as quick as other people but I think there are some people that they get the idea I know my Bible really what's it say uh, in the beginning, God that. That's the first verse. Do you know any others? Um, 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 John three sixteen. I can quote that one. Okay, all right. Do you know anything else? Um, uh, Jesus wept, and that's really going to do do something when the devil challenges you. Yeah, what does the Bible say? Uh, I know Genesis one one. I know John three sixteen. I know. Jesus wept, whatever that is. But how do you really know Jesus is the Son of God? Well, that's what they tell me when I go to church. That's what the preacher says. That's what the creeds say. i signed off to say, I believe that. Why do you believe that? I don't know. Does the Bible really teach it? I don't know. And these are the people for the first folks to get standing by colds. <coughs> The JWs come along. And you know what they do? Unless they've changed their tactics in the last little bit. They knock on your door and say, do you go to a church that teaches the Trinity? Why, yes. Did you know the word Trinity isn't in the Bible? Oh, I'm sure it is. My friend just preached on it. Would you show me? We can wait. Go ahead. Show us the word Trinity. I got news in case you're looking right now. It ain't in there. Not the word I believe the idea is taught very clearly in the Scripture. Yeah. Now, uh, the last time that JW knocked on my door, I said, "I will grant you that English word is not in the English Bible or any other Bible. I believe the idea is there, but since you're talking what's not in the Bible, there's no mention in the Old or New Testament about the Kingdom Hall. What do you worship? They usually have somewhere else to go after I talk to them. I don't put on my kid gloves with them and, and just kind of schmooze with them. I let them know it's important that we know what the Scriptures say. <clears> 1 <throat> Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20. Oh. Brethren, be not children, understand. The children are so cute. Is it clear a little right yeah. So she's walking now, isn't she? And now that she's walking, kind of hard to chase her down, huh? And she really did not need to walk much, because there's lots of folks that uh, help her out in that department. But you know, they're so cute, but what if Claire were 45 years old and still in diapers? There's something wrong here. What if our children stopped maturing And they wanted, you know, mom, dad, I love you so much, I will live with you forever. Probably every kid who said that to their parent at least once when they were four, five, six years old. But when they're 27 or 45, it's time for them to think about maybe doing something on their own. And it's spiritually true, too. Be not children in understanding how be in malice be, children but an understanding be made. If a guy's going to be snarky with me, if he's going to be mean and hateful and double-tongued, you don't want to return in kind. It's like it says in Romans 12. Be not overcome of evil, overcome evil with good. If they're going to be Mr. Nasty to you, don't you be Mr. Nasty back. Overcome evil with good. Let them know you're not going to get much mileage taking that tack. And uh, that kind of frustrates some people. Paul marvels that some of the readers that he has have not matured enough to be able to connect the dots about the Christian life. 1 Timothy, chapter 1, look at verses 6 and 7, if you would with me. Because... The truth will set you free. The truth will serve as an anchor to your soul. The truth will help you to get a view of what God is doing as he's pleased to tell you in his word. But there's some people, they want something else. They want something more. They don't want to settle for what Joe over there has. Well, maybe Joe's on the right track. Maybe none of it. But Paul tells Timothy, because we have these kind of people in our churches just like we had 2,000 years ago, from which some having swerved, turned aside unto vain jangling. Swerving is not a good thing when you're on a course. Dad taught me how to drive, he said, son, keep to the middle of the road. You don't want to get over too far to the left or too far to the right. You don't want to get out of your lane. You want to stay as close as you can to the middle of the road. Now, if I jumped in a car and just see how far I right can go, you're not going to get your license like that. In fact, I don't want to ride with you because you're swerving too much. Sometimes people do that spiritually. They swerve. They're all over the board. We had some fundamentalist friends in Little Rock who they were, they, they couldn't handle the doctrines of grace. To them that was, that was almost a cult. Now they're Sabbatarians. They won't even say Sunday. They say the Sabbath. They won't even say Jesus. They say Yeshua. And uh He won't eat pork, which that means the price of bacon is going to be down. But uh, it's interesting. It really is. How some people could just get off track. From which some, having swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling, blah, blah, and they're saying a bunch of stuff. And to them it sounds like something. But to me it's high-sounding nonsense. Doesn't check with the word. Desire to be teachers of the law. Doesn't that sound like our friend? The guy who's going to lecture me on how important it is that we don't eat snails. (laughs) You don't need to argue with me on that one. I've got that one covered. Understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. Some folks are about as deep as this, They might be wide, but they're not very deep. And they, that's their problem. They ought to be more aware. They, because of their time as children of God, they ought to know a lot better. They ought to be in the forefront of things. In Hebrews, 9, uh, t- Hebrews 5, and verse 12, For when but for the time ye ought to be teachers... You ought to be in a position where you can help others see this. You can illustrate this with your life. You put these principles in a practice. You are a living epistle. They can read you like a book the right way. But these people, the Hebrew author is writing to, says, When you ought to be teachers, you have neither one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles. Of the world. you got to go back to basics. You've got to go back to the spiritual kindergarten. And it become such as I need of milk and not of strong meat. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2 how important it is. Because you know, we're just one generation away from losing so much. This generation has an upcoming generation and it's their task to teach and to preach and to live and to serve as God would have them to, to set the examples. God has the home for the natural growth and he has the Christian home and the church for spiritual growth. What does Paul say to Timothy? 2 Timothy 2.2 And the things that thou hast heard of me Paul had taught Timothy. He taught Titus. He taught others. He poured his soul into them. He wanted to make sure that they knew something. Back in October, we went to that ordination. And those two young men had sat under the tutelage of Brother Royce Smith. And they both did a good job. When they were asked, what do you believe about? They didn't know. Woo. Oh, they were able to contend for the faith. They were able to articulate the truth to show that they knew their stuff. Okay? That's the kind of person you want for a pastor. You don't want to hey everybody, let's all have a fun time now. Let's just praise Jesus. Woo-woo-woo. Well, what about Jesus? Well, you know, let's just praise Jesus. there's no depth Paul says here you are and he says the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses you know what you do with that you commit it to the next generation the same commit thou to faithful men there are I think the theological term is doofuses there aren't doofuses out there they don't want to learn they can care less But there are some who are faithful. It's like a great uh, relay race. And the old line has come along and they pass the baton. Paul says, I pass it to you, Tim. And you pass it to faithful men so that they know it so well that when I'm gone and you're gone, they know that the next generation can pass it on. That's a big part of the Christian life. Finding and inculcating the truth, putting up, being available to that next generation. Uh, I got news for some people, I ain't going to live forever. And you're not either. But we teach these young people. Uh, the Lord could come tonight, no gripe out of me, but if he doesn't come for 100 years or 500 years, I would not want to see the doors of Lakeview closed for a lack of interest. I hate to say this, but a place that had a church, a Christian school, and a college that uh, was cutting edge at the time. And I'm thankful for the people and opportunities that I had. But Times have changed. One generation was strong, the next was kinda, eh. And then the next generation could care less. They had so few people, they sold the building, and the realtor didn't tell the church who the buyer was, but they said, we have a buyer. They bought the building, and now it's an Islamic training center. That is spooky. That really is spooky. And so, we need to take this seriously. I'm thankful for Brother Heath and Brother Roy Smith and all those who've invested in me. But I think I'm past the middle of my life. And so, it's my job to stay the course. It's my job to present because someday somebody else, if the Lord doesn't come back, somebody else will stay in this pulpit. And I sure don't want them to just smile you to death, but they don't have a clue about what this book is talking about. And maybe the Lord will raise up even from our circles. That would be wonderful. And uh, I'm so glad that, you know, the best thing in this world a preacher can have is a good wife. And I'm so thankful I have a wife who has never undermined my desire to serve the Lord. And she loves to teach. To teach children. To teach them God's word. And to be an example. Titus says, the older women, they're they're in a position to teach the younger women. Not fashion design. Not necessarily how to cook and clean the house. But how to be what God would have them to be. Titus talks about that. And there are some basics. Now, I just leave you with this one for time consideration. We need to know that time is short. The Psalms said we've got all the time in the world, but we don't. We don't. In uh, Genesis 47, Joseph is reunited with his family and he brings them down from. Canaan land and they're living there in Egypt and he goes to his father his father was of course Jacob known as Israel and he said my father Pharaoh would like to talk to you and Jacob stood before the Pharaoh possibly the most powerful man on the planet at that time and Pharaoh looked at him, Jacob, And he said, how old are you, old man? And he told him, and to us, it's, I think it was like 170, 180, it was less than 200 years, but that's still older than any of us. And he said, I've lived this many years. And he didn't stop there. He says, few and evil of the days that I've lived, and I haven't attained to my forefathers. You see, he had heard about Noah, who built the ark when he was 600? And he lived on it. Nobody born after the flood lived any time like that. But He had a daddy named Lamech who lived 777 years. And his daddy was Methuselah 969 years. And Jacob knew that. And he told the king of Egypt, I've lived this many years. they are few. I've committed evil in them. And I have not attained to what my fathers did. We can't assume we're going to live to be even though some of the health Google, yeah, we'll live to be 150 years old. I don't think so. I could be wrong. But if the Lord doesn't come first, death will come for us. We want to be able to say that we have invested our time. There are a lot of things about this world we can appreciate, but how many of those things are going to be around? How many of those things are going to speak to spiritual things? How many of those things are going to do an ultimate good for the glory of God and the benefit of His people? We need to think in those kind of terms. Not in terms of what does the world want? What do other people want? What what is my desire, my heart of hearts? Well, we'll have to deal with that in another, another message, but... We live in a world of uncertainty. We have a God who is certain and He knows the future. We sing a song, I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. But I know who holds the future. He's the one who holds my hand. Let's bow.